0: All right. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Awesome. Great to see you guys. Uh, see some friendly faces. Uh, lucky to be back in Idaho. Man, it's been a whole 28 degrees this morning. I was like, oh, all right. Glad I brought my Southern California jacket. Real smart of me. Okay. Well, uh, for those of you who uh, have been with us in this series, you guys know we've been in the series called You've Got a Friend and Me. For those of you who have been here are here for the first time, we're in the last week of this series, so let me just give you a little recap. The first week, we started off with talking about the epidemic of loneliness, and ideally, what ultimately has been happening as time has gone on. A lot of sociologists, professionals, have uh, come to uh, help us understand that a loneliness epidemic is happening, and people are creating space and distance, and what has been uh, causing that. And ideally, even before... The crazy thing called COVID came in before people were starting to like, hey, isolate yourself and run and hide and cover yourself and create distance, distance, distance. Before that, was, before that came into the world, um, loneliness was already an epidemic that was happening. And so we started this series because uh, we love to dive into the Bible and t- try to dig into what God is like sharing in our hearts and our minds. And something we've realized as we dive into the Bible is every single verse, every single chapter, every single story every single scripture points to one of two things. How for us to have a better relationship with God and for us to have a better relationship with others. And another thing we've realized from the Bible is your ability to have a relationship with others actually affects your ability to have a relationship with God. And so, although it sounds really great to have a great relationship with God, but not not necessarily a great relationship with others, that really limits limits your ability of your relationship with God. And so because we want to make sure that you're constantly growing in a relationship with God and enjoying your time here while while you're having to share this place called earth with others, we want to make sure that you're understanding how the Bible gives us guidance and directions to have great relationships here so that we can have deep relationships here and a deep relationship with God. Sound good? All right, two of you are going to be really good friends. The other of you are going to just enjoy watching that friendship. All right, so some of the things that we've really uh, kind of been diving into, like I said, is the loneliness epidemic. The difficulty of making great friendships, um, one thing is, it's one thing to make a friend, it's another thing to keep a friend. Um, I'm really good at making friends, not so good at keeping friends. And so today I'm gonna share with you all of my, all my great techniques of how to get rid of people in your life. All right, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, the other thing I wanna share, uh, what we've learned or we've talked about last week was why to make time for friends. Why to make time for friends. How come the way that your heart was created, the way that your mind was created, the way that your, your ability to think and to live why is it dependent on having relationships in your life, and how does your life have fullness and purpose and direction and 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 hope and peace when there's great relationships in your life? And so we're going to go ahead and give into today's topic as we close this series: How to Have a Friend in Me. And it's one of the, probably one of the hardest topics that we've always had to experience in any relationship you've had, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a mother-father relationship, whether it's a sibling relationship, whether it's a high school friendship, is the topic of forgiveness. And there's a phrase that we often say is like every relationship that is a great relationship has a great ability to forgive and the great ability to have conversations about difficulty that happens in our lives. And so we're going to dive into that today. And uh, if you're anything like me, you've probably used this phrase, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Anybody out there ever use that phrase? For a while there, I thought I created it, but come to realize I wasn't alone in this. Now, this is always a phrase that I've actually used because it was a good idea. It was a good way for me to make sure that I didn't have toxic people in my life, that I didn't have people who were just going to kind of like walk all over me. So then I would use this phrase as kind of a good idea for guidelines or directions on friendships. And then I come to realize That it is a good idea, but it's not a God idea. And that God actually has a different idea of how to handle people who have harmed me or have caused harm to me. And so there's a scripture I want to read to kind of set the pace for today. And it's Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. It says, A person's wisdom yields patience. A person's wisdom yields patience. So what it's saying is, a person's ability to have um, experience, education, uh, sight beyond what the feelings that you're experiencing today. A person's wisdom yields patience. And it says it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Now what the Bible is telling us is, in a world of over seven billion people with seven billion different brains and different thoughts and different ideas and different beliefs and different you know approaches to life you're going to come across some people who are going to offend you. And the Bible is saying is it is to your benefit, to your benefit, to overlook an offense, to learn to overcome offenses. Because if we live on a day-to-day basis of being offended day in and day out, and we hold on to those offenses, you're going to have a really lonely, miserable life. And this is where the epidemic of loneliness is coming from. And so it is a person's, if a person's wisdom yields patience, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. And so there's a phrase I want you to hold on to. If you're a note taker, you're going to want to write this down. If you're a picture taker, you're going to want to take a picture of this, of this phrase. And this is what the phrase is. A calling ahead of me is greater than offense behind me. A calling ahead of me is greater than an offense behind me and here's what that means your ability to have a great life from this point forward is really dependent on your ability to let go of offenses from yesterday or the past your ability to have a great relationship with your spouse, a great relationship with your kids, a great relationship with your coworkers, a great relationship with friends and, and neighbors is really dependent on your ability to let go of pain of the past. And somehow, some way, in our human hearts and our human minds, when we have experienced pain from others, our natural human ability is to create a wall, is to create a barrier, is to create a small, isolated space to keep people away. Because what we've learned from the past is that people create pain. And if you've ever coached youth sports, you know it is a painful experience. I have a few stories I'd love to share with you guys of different people in my life that have created pain. One guy, one guy's right here right now, he's standing back there. Can you please, st- no, I'm just kidding. He's not just saying mad. no, I'm just totally joking. But I've had a few experiences in my life where people have created pain. Um, the surprising part is it, it, it's happened more than you know, not I should say the non surprising part is that it's happened more than once. Uh, growing up, I had an older sibling that I really wanted to have a relationship with. There was something in my little heart, my little mind, that really wanted to have a relationship with my older sibling, except for my older sibling didn't want to have a relationship with me. And I was like really confused because, like, I was a cool kid, like, I was like, man, like, I'm athletic, I love to play sports, I have lots of friends how do you not want to ha- hang out with me? Like, that was confusing to me. And for a while there, I was like, I-, I think I'm doing you a favor. Like, you're the one that should be wanting to hang out with me. But as much as I wanted to and as much as I tried and as probably he became a motivation to wanting, for me to wanting to do better in certain areas of my life, um, he didn't want to have a relationship with me, and so I was really confused by that. And so I wasn't an older brother at the time, but I became an older brother later, and I had three younger sisters, and I, I remember vividly making the decision that I never wanted them to experience the pain that the older sibling passed on to me, and so I overcompensated and became that older brother to them that I wish I had or that older sibling that I wish I had. And so that was a learning lesson for me of like, okay, this was super hurtful. I want to make sure I don't pass that hurt on to them. And so there was other journeys in my life, not just with siblings, but also friends, that ideally where I thought we were going to be great friends, and then somehow, some way, some other, we weren't. And one of the, some of the, a lot of those uh, things have happened when I became a dad. And when my wife and I became uh, parents, we became parents of these three crazy, energetic exhausting three little boys. And at some point, they, uh, they got old enough to play sports. And we could not wait. Like I was so excited to be like a, a, a sports dad. Like I love sports and I could not wait for them to be old enough to play sports. And when, when they were old enough, I was gonna sign them up for everything. Like sign them up for flag football and basketball and, 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 and baseball and, 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 and whatever else that the city had to offer, I wanted to sign them up. And when they were little, it was great. Because I was just a dad in the stands, and they didn't know what they were doing, and nobody really knew what they were doing. All the parents would just hang out. We got to pizza afterwards, and everything was fantastic. Until, until they get older, and coaching actually matters, and who they play for actually matters. And so then, because I'm a control freak, I decided to make this terrible decision, which debatable, but at the end of the day, if you're ever in the position of having to make this decision, I would say think through it multiple times because you will lose a lot of friends in this journey when you step in and have to become a decision maker for someone else's kid. When you decide how much time they get to play, what position they play, what place in the batting order they have, you quickly realize one of three things. Which friends are this? A utility friend, an entertainment friend, or a virtue friend. These are the three different types of friendships that we all have in our life. What's a utility friend? A utility friend is someone that can do something for you or you can do something for them. It's basically a networking friend, okay? We've all had a networking friend where it's like, hey, this person has something in their life that they can offer for me, or I have something in my life that I can offer for them. A utility friend, okay? That's a networking friend. Another type of friendship is this, an entertainment friendship. An entertainment friendship is someone that you're going to have in your life that all they're going to do is provide entertainment for you. They're going to make you laugh. They're going to You're going to go out. You're going to have a great time. It's going to be awesome. You're not going to talk about marriage. You're not going to talk about your kids. You're not going to talk about sports. You're not going to talk about your career. You're not going to talk about finances. All you're going to do is have a great time. And these guys or these, these girls, whoever they are in your life, they're awesome because they kind of just allow you to just escape for a little bit, to kind of just have some time to breathe and to laugh, and they're awesome, right? They let you let your hair down or let you take your hat off, whichever, you, whichever situation you're in, you know? They, and they're, so they're great entertainment friends, but they're not people that are going to ask you about your marriage. They're not people who are going to ask you about your life. They're not people who are going to ask you about what's going on in your journey, right? So that's entertainment friend. The third friendship category, this one is rare. This is virtue friendship. Virtue friendships are friendships without agendas, are friendships without having to entertain. It's the person that comes into your, your house and opens up, the, opens up the refrigerator and starts eating your food. It's the person who just sits on your couch and turns on your TV and they haven't even said a word to you. It's the person who just is going to be present in your life and isn't asking anything of you isn't going there to give you anything. They're just simply the person that's a deep level of friendship without an agenda. Now this is the person that's going to ask about your day. This is the person that's gonna ask about your marriage. This is the person that's gonna ask about your kids. Hey, did your kid go to practice today? How's he doing? How's everything going? How's your career? How's your finances? What's going on? They're they're gonna pick up where they left off. It's an ongoing journey. If you have a virtue friend, You are part of the most rare small category of the people in this nation. It is rare for people to have a virtue friendship. It's common to have a networking friend. I can do something for you. You can do something for me. It's a little more common to have an entertainment friend, someone I can go escape and not have to worry about life. But to have a virtue friendship is the deepest level of friendship. And this is the place where God would love for you to arrive to where God would love for you to learn because that's the type of friendship he wants to have with you. He wants to have a close, deep friendship where he gets to be present in your life, where he, he, you get to speak to him about the things in your life. He gets to speak to you about the things in your life and you get to do life together. That's the place. And that, because of other past friendships and pains in the, and pain in the past, we limit the ability to have those virtue friendships. And so there's something I want to read to you. And I want you to hold on to this phrase as we go out throughout, go through the rest of this message. And this phrase says this. Nobody has ever changed the world by walking around bitter. Nobody has ever changed the world by walking around bitter. Now, that could be somebody else's world, or that can be your own world. But nobody has ever changed the world by walking around bitter. And there's a st- scriptures that I want to read to you. And it's a story of the disciples who were walking with Jesus and they were having a similar conversation like you and I are having today. They're talking about people in their lives. They're talking about pain in the past. They're talking about people who have hurt them. They're talking about, you know, people that ultimately are going to hurt them. So they're having this conversation with Jesus and they're trying to understand like, what is it really that you expect of me, Jesus? Like, what is it really that you feel like I should do? Because if it was up to me, I'm going to stick to my good idea. Hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. But God had a different idea to how to approach this. So they're having this conversation about people who are offending and hurting and creating pain in each other's lives. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says this in chapter 17. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. So Jesus is saying, listen, (laughs) in a village of thousands of people, there's going to be people who are going to hurt you. Because in a broken world, people are broken. And when people are broken, they don't always make the right decision and they don't always say the right things or do the right things every single time. If they make them 90% of the time, that's outstanding. But most of the time, we're like 60 70% of the time. And then sometimes 20 to 30% of the time, we're not always making the right things or making or the right decisions or saying the right things. So he says, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. It says, but woe to anyone through whom they come. So, so he says this, so watch yourselves. It's going to happen. In a world with human people and human hearts and human minds, some people are going to let you down. It says, but if your brother or sister sins against you, and when he's saying brother or sister, he's not necessarily talking about siblings, although siblings could be in this category, but basically what he's saying is, if your brother or sister sins against you, a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a friend, a co-worker, a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, if someone in your life hurts you, rebuke them. If they, if they repent, forgive them. And at this part, the disciples are following along. They're like, hey, this is making sense in a world with a lot of people. Obviously, a lot of different decisions, a lot of different words. Some people are going to hurt me. Um, I, I can learn to overcome that. Okay, I can learn to forgive them, have a great conversation with them, have a healthy conversation with them. But and then he gets into a part that's really outside of the human mind and the human heart and the human ability. And this is what he says. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, If if they sin against you seven times in a day and come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Now, this is the part where the disciples are like mind blown. They're like, what? Like one time, like, okay, I can work this through. We'll have a healthy conversation. We'll talk about it. We'll make sure that we're on the same, you know, same energy and same understanding and same expectations. Now we can work, move forward. But if they do it again, forgive them. And if they do it again, forgive them. And they do it again, forgive them. Like, this is now beyond the human heart and the human mind. Like, actually, they're saying, I don't understand this, as many of us would be. Like, this makes no sense. So what is he saying? Is he saying that we're supposed to be a doormat for people? No. Is he saying that we're just, allow- we're- we're just supposed to allow people to walk all over us and treat us however they want, us- they- they want to treat us? No. Is he saying that, you know, people are just allowed to say and do whatever they want to us regardless of how much pain it causes to us? No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is learn to forgive because you are the one that benefits from the freedom of forgiveness. When we hold on to the pain of someone else's wrongs, that not only, not only do we hold on to that, that limits our ability to be able to move forward in the current relationships that really matter to us or the relationships that we want to matter to us. So when he said this, the disciples were just like, oh my gosh, this makes no sense. I don't understand. That's not even humanly possible. And then they say these words because they understand it's not humanly possible. They say, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. What they say to Jesus is saying, listen, God, like I can't do this. I, I don't know how to forgive over and over and over. I know how to hold on to pain. I know how to be bitter. I know how to want revenge. I know how to hate. I know how to create distance. I know how to go into my room and close everybody out. That's easy. I know how to do that. But to learn to forgive, I'm going to need more faith. And he, they were right. Because it isn't a human nature. To learn to forgive. It isn't a part of our normal thought process to learn to forgive. So before I, I, I get to the end of this, this message, I want to make sure we have a clarity on what forgiveness is not. Because at this point, it sounds like, man, this is really not fun to have people come to my life, hurt me, and this is and then me forgive them, move forward. Like that doesn't sound like fun. Well, forgiveness is not is this. Forgiveness is not forgetting. When I was eight years old, and I was hurt by my older sibling. Although we have a great relationship today or a greater relationship today, there's still the, re- the pain of, when I w- of that moment. So I, it, you'll never forget, right? It's in your memory bank. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is also not fair. Because in our human heart and our human mind, we want fairness. We want an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You did something wrong to me. I'm going to do something wrong to you. You hurt one of, my, one of the people that I love. I'm going to make sure that you feel that pain. That is what's in our, in our hearts and our minds. So it's not fair. It, it, it doesn't create fairness. And we're okay with wanting fairness until we're the ones that need the fairness. We're okay for saying, God, God, Show them the, the sins, of give them the pain of their sins until it's us asking God to forgive us, right? And so forgiveness is not just something that, that uh, flows to us. Forgiveness should be something that flows through us as well. The gospel is not just receiving forgiveness. The gospel is also giving forgiveness. Now, forgiving someone is not letting them off free. Just because we learn to forgive doesn't mean that they get, they get to go off scot-free, What it does mean is you get to go off scot-free, not having to hold on to that. Now, there's a scripture that many of us have probably heard at some point in our life or have probably read at some point in our life. And the first part of the scriptures actually seemed like really beneficial to us. And then at some point at the end, we kind of just ignore that part. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 12, and it's the Lord's Prayer. It says, Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Give us the bread we need for today. So up to this point, we're like, yeah, this is a great prayer. Like, God, you know, like, provide for us. Give us food. Give us resources. Increase our finances. Like, this is a great prayer. This is going really well. And then it gets to this part where it says, Forgive us the ways that we have wronged you. And at this point, we're just like, Man, this is going really good. Like, God, bless us, increase our career, increase our, our home, increase our, our food, increase our finances. When I make a mistake, forgive me. When I've sinned against you, forgive me. Like, this prayer is going really, really well. And then it gets to the part that just doesn't go so well. It says, it says, forgive us the ways that we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. At that point, we're like, wait, 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 what? Like, forgive me the way I forgive others? So the ability of me being forgiven is now based on the ability of me being able to forgive others? Like, this is the part that becomes really challenging, It's like, God, I'm okay with you forgiving me, but I don't want to forgive everyone who has harmed me. And this is the part where God is trying to help us understand that, listen, I'm not asking you to do your human nature because your human nature wants nothing to do with forgiveness. Your human nature wants to hold on to pain. Your human nature wants to hold on to bitterness. Your human nature wants to hold on to what's easy. What is easy? Easy is to not forget, forgive. Easy is to not forget Easy is to want revenge. Easy is to hold on to bitterness. Easy is to rehearse what someone has done to you over and over and over. Easy is to not allow yourself to heal. That's really easy. Easy is to allow your family to be divided or your friendships to be divided. That's easy. What's not easy is the learning to let go when someone has hurt you. Learning to forgive so that that person, whoever created that pain, ultimately doesn't affect every possible relationship that you can have today and moving forward. And this is why God writes this, because he knows that our ability to let go of hurt or pain is going to affect our ability of the current relationships that we have and the relationships that we want to have or that we could have. And God knows that if we don't learn to let go of offenses— Every great relationship we can have today will be affected by the ability of letting go or not letting go. Every great relationship that we can have today or tomorrow will truly be affected by us learning to let go of the things of the past. Now, I just want to be super clear once again. forgiven is not being a doormat. Forgiven is not forgetting what has happened. But forgiving is the ability to help us to let go of hurt and the pain to enjoy the relationships of today, not only with God who, created, who created you, but with those that are in your life. And people ask me often, like, ah, oh, Pastor Moses, like, how, how, how often do I need to do this? Like, how much, how much more forgiveness do I need to give them? And I just say, you know what, that's really the wrong question. It's not about how much forgiveness you need to give them. It's about how much freedom you want to have. It's about how much great relationships do you want to currently have today as you move forward the rest of your life. Because if we continue to hold on to the pain of the past, the current relationships will truly be affected if we don't learn to let go of those things. And God knows that, which is why he's asking us to learn how to let go. And this is why the apostles know and the disciples knew it was so difficult because they said, God, give us more faith. Give us more faith because my human heart just wants to hold on. My human mind just wants to be bitter. My, I, I would, it's much, it just feels easier to be lonelier. Although nowhere in the Bible you're gonna, are you going to find that is the way to have the best life for yourself and for those that you love. And so today, as we get ready to close, I just want to help us and encourage us to understand that the reason why God wrote these things in the Bible is because he knows how difficult it is to have great relationships. He knows how difficult it is to have great friendships. And every relationship you have is based off of a great friendship. Every marriage that's great is based off of a great friendship. Every parenting, father-son, father-daughter relationship that is great is based off of a great friendship. Every sibling brother sister great relationship is based off of a great friendship every relationship no matter what you call it husband wife mother father son daughter brother sister coworker uh whatever you want to call it is based off of a great friendship and our great ability our ability for great friendships is learning to let go of offenses And to have healthy boundaries and healthy conversations to be able to allow God to continue to speak in your heart and your life to grow from those. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, what I want to do today is I just want to pray for you. What I want to do is I want to pray for you because if you're anything like me, you're going to need more help than yourself. You're going to need more strength than yourself. You're going to need what the disciples needed, more faith like God. Give me more faith. Because on my own, I don't want to do this. On my own, I don't want to trust. On my own, I just want to remove myself and remove others. On my own, I want to be a part of the epidemic of loneliness. And God is saying, that's not the way. So let me give you more faith so you can learn to enjoy the people in your life. And to learn to look forward to every part of life. So, Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just ask that you give us all more faith. You give us all more strength. Because as you know, it is not human nature. So give us the strength. Give us the courage. Give us the ability, God, to make the decision today to let go. And allow ourselves to have great friendships that are not just networking friendships, that are not just entertaining friendships, but ideally are friendships with virtue, where we get to be a part of each other's lives and grow on a daily basis and enjoy every part of life. Lord, give us more faith. Help us to be more like you. We say these things in your name. Amen.